podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So there's two sausages in the microwave, and one of them goes, it's hot in here, isn't it? And the other one goes, oh my God, it's a talking sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Paddock, a new podcast featuring tales of life following Formula One around the world. From me, Lawrence Barreto, F1 senior writer. And me, Chris Medland, freelance F1 journalist and broadcaster. And me, Nate Saunders, ESPN deputy editor and apparently failed comedian. No, not failed. I laughed at that joke, so you're doing all right. We'll say budding then, that's fair, right? (laughs) Budding, yeah. Well, um, guys, uh, pleasure to see you guys. It's, I know lockdown's been a bit crazy, so it's nice to see your faces. Um, we've got varying amounts of hair uh, going on. Uh, I think I've got the biggest boof on, I guess. Medlin's pretty ch- close behind. Nate, I'm, I'm chasing sorry, you down. But... Yeah, for anyone <laughs> who's not got video, Nate, because <laughs> this won't be a video pod, uh, Nate is bold. Yeah. <laughs> 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 public, it's like a public service announcement. Uh, yeah, I mean, bold man. Actually, the way it looks on my screen it looks like the evolution of man. You've got me bald, then you've got Meadows in the middle, and then Barretto with his like barnet straight out. <laughs> it's like we go perfectly up. So is Barretto I like the most like advanced version of all three of us? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, hair-wise, I don't. You know, I'm just talking about the barnets. I see. I was going to say I look like the least advanced one of the three of us. Well. That's a podcast. Yes. But anyway, chaps, uh, as I said, good to see you. Um, Two two very good friends of mine who I get to travel uh, the world with. um, And we thought we'd just get together and have a chat and record it. And then hope that you guys want to listen to it. Um, So an obvious question seems to be, why is it called Paddock? Who wants to go for that? Me. Because we stole it from Nate and Josh Cruz, who came up with a great idea. And we needed a title for this. And the other title was Big Tuna, and I'll let Nate explain why it was Big Tuna. Yeah. In, in lockdown, I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus. Shout out to Disney and ESPN. Um, and there's a show on there called Wicked Tuna, which I was really into, but I forgot the name of it when we were on a call and kind of prepping this show. And I was like, guys, you've got to watch this show, Big Tuna. And the guys Googled it. And I can't find Big Tuna other than that reference in the office, I think, as you found. And then I had to kind of row back and say, guys, it's actually called Wicked Tuna. And so then, and we just, yeah, Big Tuna had no <laughs> relevance to it. And as Meadow said, uh, Josh and I wanted to do a satire-style blog called The Pad Hoc, and we're just too lazy to do it. So we thought that it actually suits this podcast a lot better. So I'm glad it's finally getting a, a rollout about four years on. To be fair to that satire-style blog that you wanted to do, there were some excellent concepts on there, which I think need exploring in a future podcast episode, because there were some stunts, some that people will understand, some that they totally won't, and they were complete in-jokes, but there was some brilliant stuff that needs a shout-out. Can we have a bit of a teaser? Well, no, that's that's another episode. We're we're (laughs) specifically doing travel stories, aren't we? Okay. I don't want to give things away. You know, if we did launch it, I don't want to go ahead of time and give big things away. You know, a lot of... A lot of info going on in, in my head. I don't want to give any of it away. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to then, I guess, in the <laughs> weeks, in the weeks to come. Saying, I can't remember any good ideas right now, so please don't ask. <laughs> well dodged, Nate. Well dodged. Um, well, so I guess travel. We pick travel because we do a lot of it in this job. Um, we're very lucky. Get to see a lot of the world. 
Um, but always things don't go right. Um, I would say if all of us, Medlin's probably had the most travel woes, you might disagree with me. Um, but we've got plenty of stories to tell. So he seems like a good starting point. And he look, he's looking at me going, what am I talking about? Well, Medlin's yeah, is my favourite F1 travel story because I was involved in some of it, but, and I watched some of it unfold in Austria. Um, so I'm gonna let, I'm gonna pass over to Medlin's. Oh, hang on, this one has, you're involved yet. In fact, you could have, Okay, I could have changed history. Up. If I went back in time, it'd be to this moment, and I would have, I'd have changed history by knocking on his door. I was about to say, you've said that you were involved, and it's like you could have been a lot more involved, and if you had been a lot more involved, it wouldn't be a story of travel woe, but never mind. Um, and it's, it's a painful one. I mean, we're at this point looking forward to Formula 1 going back racing in Austria, and it sounds like very few people will be allowed to go, and that's probably a good thing based on my history in that country because we had uh i can't remember where we'd flown in from i don't know if it was a back-to-back or not but anyway i arrived in vienna picked up my hire car drove to the chalet that i was sharing with nate and lawrence edmonton who was on our first little pilot attempt to record this and just can't keep his windows shut so the road traffic noises are horrific and we've we've banished him um so it was the three of us in the chalet and we we got there and we we'd got some beers in, but we didn't really have any food. And we're like, you know what? It was I don't know late afternoon, so we should go and get some food, go and find some dinner somewhere. Um, so we'll do that first before we have any drinks. It's like good idea. So I get in my car outside the chalet, stick it in reverse. Turns out the slope that I'm on is bigger than I thought, and I start reversing down it. And as soon as it starts to go backwards, it's going quite quickly. And I think, oh, this is quicker than I was expecting. So panic slightly because there's a barn behind me and I don't want to reach that uh so I put my foot to the floor quickly thinking that will stop the car and put my foot flat on the clutch which is not the brake and will not stop your car from rolling quickly so I went straight into this barn uh broke the barn door which is a big wooden door and put a pretty big dent in the back of the car uh so I had to try and repair that obviously in my now much more normal state calm clearly you know fix everything stuck my hand underneath and thought I could punch out this dent because it was flexible enough and it looked bad, but if I popped it back out, it wouldn't look anywhere near as bad. Uh, didn't check underneath and sliced my hand open on some metal that was hanging down. So that was also good. Uh, yeah, it's tasty. And then uh, got through the rest of the weekend. Okay. Didn't cause any other dramas. Um, thought that's fine. Drove back to the airport hotel for the Sunday night before flying back, flying out early Monday morning. And it was a horrific thunderstorm. I will pause at this point because does anyone else remember this thunderstorm in Austria about two, three years ago on the Sunday night? Well, the weird thing with Austria is that it always seems to have the same kind of rainstorm on the Sunday, doesn't it? On the the drive back from the race to the the hotel that we were staying at. I think the last three years has been rain, but that one in particular was really bad. Because I remember we were driving and you couldn't even see, like just about see the lights ahead of you, the car in front. So yeah, pretty, uh, pretty scary stuff. That was nasty. And um, yeah, they love a, a big downpour there because I seem to remember doing like track runs and stuff as well. You get absolutely drenched if you get caught out in it. Uh, so yeah, huge thunderstorm. Couldn't go very quickly, but there were a lot of roadworks. And it turned out I went too quickly through the roadworks at some stage. So I did return home after further woes to find a speeding fine that I had to pay. So that was good. Uh, but I was trying to get as quickly as possible back to the airport to drop the car off before the car rental place shut so I could explain what had happened with the damage because we're flying early enough the next morning, wasn't going to get to say it in the morning. And they closed at midnight and got there at like five past 12. So just had to leave the car and await their uh, angry email. 
So went into the uh, airport hotel, checked in, and it's a very cool one where a few other journalists quite often stay. Uh, and it turns out George Russell's parents stayed there last year because we had some drinks with them uh, in the hotel bar. And by this point of the woe story, I was desperate for a beer, uh, as I think everyone was. It's like, yeah, been a been a stressful weekend, been an awful drive back there, and you you were pretty wired. So it's like, right, a couple of drinks. Uh, and we had a couple too many, I imagine. Not massively bad, but it got to about 3 a.m. As soon as we got there after midnight, it wasn't you know stupid. Uh, and thought better get to bed. Got to get up in a few hours to go to the uh, to go to the airport. Well, just walk into the airport and catch the flight. And as Nate will attest, again I'll bring him back in, seeing as on this uh, voyage, um, we all agreed how we were going to meet, didn't we? Yes, I, I would. I would not admit that we did agree with that ahead of time. I think I denied it. No, but this was <laughs> sensible. <laughs> Yeah, but we there was an agreement before we left. Like we will, we you know, we'll convene at the hotel, and then we'll walk over. But also, you know, don't wait up and miss something. You know, waiting for somebody else. I think was the general general idea. And who were we uh, aiming that at, really? That was completely aimed at me. You know, because people thought I'd been at the bar. All I'll say is I've been at the bar a bit longer than Medley had. So there was some questions of whether I would make it out in time the next day that's all i'll say you read between the lines um but yeah so it was very much aimed at me and so i was determined i set up five alarms like, i'm not gonna be the guy that misses a flight uh misses a flight back um and i'm quite you know i'm quite nervous with that anyway like I always get up early and make sure i'm at the airport super early so and that kind of sowed the seat a bit more and made me even more nervous about it so i was up in plenty of time you know i think we got like two hours sleep um yeah so i yeah yeah, I, I guess I'd, from my side, all I'll say is jumped out of bed, uh, got the suitcase, walked out of the hotel room and thought, pretty sure Medlin's already going to be there. Because I looked and I thought, you know, it's already running late. And I went to knock on the door. And you already mentioned Josh Cruz earlier in the podcast. You guys were sharing a room, as I remember. And I didn't want to wake him up because he was on a later flight. And he'd made a big point of that to me. He's like, don't you dare wake me up in the morning if you're knocking for Medlin. So I thought, okay, I'll just leave and just go straight there. Hurried on to the airport, and when I got there, you know, got through check-in and everything. There was no, there was no Chris. I, I messaged him a couple of times, like, you know, you're awake, you like meet you at the gate, you get coffee, whatever. Nothing. And this is where the mystery started to unravel. Yeah, it's good, good point mentioning Josh because it's actually his fault, clearly. Because if he hadn't told you, you know, don't wake me up, then you'd have knocked on. But um, yeah, because we were in rooms next to each other, and Josh and I were sharing a twin room, and my alarm went off. I thought I, I wouldn't wake Josh up either, so I'd set one alarm at the last possible minute, really, just wake up, get up, shower, go. Uh, and the alarm went off, and I remember going, better stop that quickly, because Josh is in here and I need to get up and go. I can't snooze it or anything. So I hit stop and fell back to sleep. And woke up about an hour and a half later, when there was about half an hour till the flight, uh, to miss calls and messages, sort of going, where the hell are you? And uh, yeah, jumped in the shower for some reason, because naturally that's what you do when you're late. Uh, but got to the bag drop about the time the gate was closing and they were like yeah we'll put you on a later flight which they did and it cost me about 500 euro which was nice I had to go by Zurich so um I had a it was such an expensive trip for you yeah crazy. a long long morning yeah it's normally Austria is normally one of the cheapest ones and I think it cost mm. me about a thousand pounds more than it should have with all my <laughs> errors so yeah that's my woe uh I'm gonna say Beretta what's yours um so I think it's got to be a couple of years ago um I was Back in the day where I used to drive to Spa, I used to get the ferry and then drive to the Belgian Grand Prix just because it's quite nice. Like it's quite, I quite like taking the ferry across, scenic, and then it's only a three or four hours probably to Spa if you don't get lost. Um, Did you say scenic? So anyway, got there, 
scenic, yes. Not the car. No. <laughs> oh, God, that's <laughs> terrible, Meadows. You're so better than that. Um, no, you're not, are you? Um, no, you I was just so, saying... You look so proud. You can't see it on Zoom if you're listening, but Meadows looks so proud of himself right now, just grinning at the Chevy cat. Uh, it was a Ford Focus, if that helps. Uh, so, n- n- no gag there, sorry. Um, but we did the whole weekend, and it was all fine. Um, but I needed to get back Sunday night, because I had an interview at Lewis at Mercedes-Benz World on the Monday morning. And it was, uh, I remember it was raining, not like Austria torrential rain, but raining pretty hard. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to get out of Spa on a Sunday night. Uh, it's impossible because they just, they kind of loop you away from airport, uh, from the airport and from the UK. And you drive hundreds and hundreds of miles the wrong way to then come back around again. And uh, I had a ferry, I had to catch the last ferry, otherwise I wasn't going to make it. Anyway, we managed to get into this, um, this loop of traffic and we got back onto the motorway. And then they, we hit a, um, what's the thing, uh, like a, st- a stoppage in the road. Why can't I think of what that is? Traffic like jam. We, we couldn't get, <laughs> yes. Wow. See, this is what Lockdown's that dad's done to you, me. Man, made you forget words about traffic and cars. <laughs> At least you don't work with words. So long. Yeah, I know. Former one's F1 editor. <laughs> <laughs> senior writer, I think, oh, isn't it? God. Senior writer. Oh, yeah. I think less, less, like less of that because it's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, so we hit a traffic jam. Uh, thanks, Chad. Um And I was travelling with um, Aaron Rook, who um, used to be a Williams press officer, um, and a Sebastian Scott, who used to do technical stuff for us when we were autosports. That's where I was at the time. And um, Seb's quite a nervous traveller, so he just had his head in between the seats from the back, just going, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. For like an hour, as I'm bombing down the motorway, I'm just like, well, I can't cope with this. So I had to pull over to a station. Even though I'm late, I had to pull out for a station, a petrol station. I said, look, mate, can you just go take a walk for a little bit? Because you're stressing me out. He goes off and has a cigarette. We can't find him for 25 minutes. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> like, hey, he knows we're, we're running late. And it, if I can go and have a cigarette and a break, but don't disappear for 25 minutes. And he goes, oh, yeah, sorry, I just lost track of time when he came back. The one, he's the one giving you a half time to be late. And I'm giving him a lift back. I'm giving him, I'm doing him a favour. So like, it's like, guys, come on. Anyway, so we get back into the car. I'm bumbling along. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in a car with me, but I don't, I'm a little bit of a nervous driver. So I try to stick to the speed limit. And like, I don't like driving fast. Like you were saying, Nate, about being in an airport on time. I like to have plenty of time. So at this moment, I'm sweating a lot as we're driving down the road. Anyway, we get to the ferry place and the ferry... <clears throat> the ferry that we were booked onto uh, had already gone. So I was like, okay, well, we better hope that we can get onto the, um, to the last ferry. Fortunately, there was space. So we drove, uh, so we've got the ferry across, got to the UK. It's about, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Seb goes, oh, can you just drop me home? I was like, yeah, that's fine. Where do you live? An hour and a half away from me. So I had to drive in the direction to get to him, drive back. So I get back home about 4.35. I have to be up at seven to get to Mercedes-Benz World for this Lewis interview. And uh, so I get to uh, Mercedes-Benz World is like a car showroom with a racetrack for those who haven't been there before. Um, and it was an interview with Monster and I think Lewis was just doing a promotion all day um, at the venue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a plug where I wasn't trying to do a plug as well. I was just trying to give some ambience and some, some colour to the trying story. To, he's trying to make up for traffic jam, Gary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Monster. <laughs> it's not. No pressure, monster. Oh, no. Hey, monster, <laughs> give us a free start. <laughs> yeah, and anybody else? 
we're, we're open to all all sponsors, aren't we? Yeah, taking yes. it. I shouldn't have specified Monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, get there, and um, everything's running on time. It's great. Um, I'm knacking. I'm half asleep. Lewis isn't in great form. It was must have been back in the day where um, it was before he went vegan because he was eating sweet and savoury popcorn. Now I don't know how you feel about that, this guy's sweet and savoury popcorn. You know, it's the pre it's the pre stuff done in a bag that you can buy now. Love I'm it. not that. I'm not that keen on it. Nate's yeah, shaking his head. I think he's in my camp. Um, and then we had a great chat over popcorn. So it was fine. I was just really sleep deprived. Um, and it was probably the most stressful journey that I've ever had. And no speeding tickets. So I was lucky. That does sound stressful. Not Actually, that I was you, speeding. Well, actually, that reminds me of a ticket that, um, sorry, a, a story that I have, which I... A ticket. I completely forgot Are you having trouble right with now, words so as well, coming, mate? I am, yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just taking over, I'm just taking over from Lawrence. So I thought Thanks, I'd, Nate. I'd <laughs> Smooth. I'll tell a quick one because my, I guess it's my turn to tell a story. I have one from Chicago from a few years ago, which I've told you both before. But a quick one from Le Mans when I did that race a few years ago. I got, um, it took me ages to get my car and I had to get media accreditation, uh, which shot, I think, at about five. And it's maybe, I basically had exactly the amount of time that the map said it would take me to get there before it shut. So I'm kind of, you know, being quite. You know, I'm pushing the car as much as I can, but one one point clearly goes straight, you know, straight through a point where I'm not meant to be going as fast as I am. Get there, reverse into a bollard, so back of my car kind of dented, run into the accreditation centre, and it turned out they were open for like four hours still. Uh, I just misread the email, and so I like <laughs> I just dented this car, and I got and I got back, and I was in the process of moving house. So when I when I left to go, I was living at one house. I'd moved all my stuff to a new a new address for the next four months the French authorities were sending me really threatening letters saying, you've got to pay this fine that was increasing with every month. And I just hadn't seen any of them. And then the joke was that the following year I went to Paul Ricard. I was like, well, here we go. Let's see if when I get there, you know, all the alarms go off. Um, but yeah, I still haven't paid that. So any French people listening, please, please keep it between me and you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, not quite as fun as yours, but I just, I just remembered it as you were telling. It's traditionally quite hard to pay European fines, I found. Yeah, they, when I, they don't make it easy. I got caught by the same speeding camera in Austria three times, every, well, basically every day I drove to the track uh, because I hadn't seen the speed limit change. And then I went to try and pay it and they said, you, can't, you have to pay them separately. Otherwise they'll fine me for overpaying if I pay in one lump sum. <clears> so then you end up paying an international banking charge each time you make the payment. So yeah, thanks Austria, thanks. I was going to say, Nate and his Italian heritage as well, I had Italy, um, a parking fine where before Monza, well, during the Monza weekend, I was parked on a side street a long way from the centre of Monza, but on Saturday, I think it was, it was market day in Monza. And only on Saturday morning, when it was market day between the hours of like, I don't know, 6am and midday, suddenly these streets, you were not allowed to park on him though, they were miles away from it. And I'd left my car there overnight a couple of times already um, where I was staying. And then this night I'd forgotten to move it and got, got up next morning, walked down there and the streets are ghost town, like empty, just my car left. And funnily enough, a parking ticket on it saying you can't do this. Um, not that it was in anyone's way or whatever. And I don't know where all the other cars went. Uh, but yeah, couldn't, couldn't pay online either. I tried a bunch of times. That's the only way it let you pay was an online system but because you weren't in Italy trying to do it. It didn't work. My first trip to Monza as a journalist I had all my stuff stolen from my car. I dropped um, Chris Medland and Kate off at a place where they were staying. And um, I don't know why I said your full name, Chris. <laughs> and not Kate. <laughs> I don't know why I did yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the wrong way around. Kate Walker. Um, got back and the boot was completely empty. And I remember 
like panicking and calling you being like did i drop my stuff stuff off there or something and it hadn't and then i had you know i didn't sleep that night because i was like well you know obviously my stuff's been stolen and then with the limits of my very bare italian at the time which haven't got much better uh trying to explain the whole thing to the police while also worrying that i wasn't doing the job for espn because i was at a police station while qualifying was happening and then I, had to, I think I had to spend the rest of the weekend writing on a on an iPad that somebody gave me, which was just an absolute nightmare. So um, mixed memories of Monza. Great place, though. But um, not a place you want to leave your car anywhere, apparently. <laughs> no, yeah, agreed. Lo- lovely place. But yeah, you've just got to be a bit careful when you, where you park. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, can I tell on, my man. actual bad travel story? Yeah. Because Chris, Chris is... Like I was a central subject in his, Chris is a central subject in mine. And this one is a good example of how F1 and personal life like intertwine when you're on holiday. So a quick backstory. I wrote the words to a Daniel Ricciardo picture book, which you can get on Amazon. Uh, my <laughs> Pursuit of Greatness by Daniel Ricciardo. Very good book. Plug. Um, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's full, of, it's full of pictures of him in a Red Bull. You just yeah. said... The Pursuit of Greatness by Daniel Ricciardo. It's not by Daniel Ricciardo at all. It's by you. It's by me. Him. Sorry, what I meant is it's, it's his. <laughs> the Pursuit of Greatness is by him. And I wrote the book about that Pursuit of Greatness. But no, the book is just called Daniel Ricciardo in Pursuit of Greatness. So Meadows knows the title of my book better than me. Um, so this was writ- written over the preseason between 2017 and 2018. And there was all sorts of delays in terms of them getting the right pictures for it. So it, they were like, we're not going to get this out until... August of 2018, which will be in the middle of the, middle of the season. Some slight issues there because he went and won three of the races before then. Uh, you know, had an incredible time, and I, I remember thinking well, that at least raises interest in the book. And they said, right, this coming out on August the second. I remember I've, I've, I went and looked. Came August the second, 2018. Now anybody with a good memory will probably know what is coming here. But myself, we've gone we've gone to Hungary, and me. Meadows and uh, Meadows' friend Dave were going to um, Chicago doing a little road trip. So I got there on August the 2nd. I think we had a celebratory beer. I met you at a pub there. We had a beer, like celebrate the book coming out and both pretty jet lagged. And I go to bed, wake up about three in the morning maybe because, you know, jet lag is just horrible. And my phone has about a hundred messages on it. Um, you know, it's a load of missed calls. The light outside the room is on. So I'm like, well, Meadows must be up already for some reason. And the news is that Daniel Ricciardo has left Red Bull to go to Renault, you know. And so I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, jump out of bed and make sure that people back at desk have got it. And they're all over it, you know. And Meadows is outside working on it. And I think you're sorting out an interview with Zach Brown as well. And so I was like, wow, you know, and, and I'm on holiday technically. So I was kind of disconnected from it a little bit. And I was sat there and I'll never forget Meadows, like, after, like, you know, just working away, then stops and looks at me and says, Nate, what, what about your book now? And it suddenly dawned on me that this book that I'd been like plugging on Twitter the whole day before was just him at Red Bull. Like I'd written how loyal he was to the Red Bull program. I was like, his best chance of winning a title was with Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. And then he's moved, he's out for 24 hours and it was then irrelevant. So that, it's not technically a travel story, but it's a story that involves travel. Um, and I've always thought of it when, because he said he made that choice when he was on, on a flight over to America. So we're probably on very similar flight patterns when he was there making a decision that, you know, inadvertently destroyed the book that we'd written on him, which I'm sure wasn't anywhere near the top of his priorities. But, you know, that's just how it played out. And then 
it took you a good two years to finally get round to be allowed to do a second edition where you could do the Renault years and how this was going to be the start of something great there and how it's going to really build it. And that came out mid-May, didn't it? And uh, and then he joined McLaren. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'll work on number three for about two years from now, you know, uh, and then maybe he'll move, move on again. Now, that, that last bit is not true. There's not a second book. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was in the works. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe I kept it quiet and then his move scuppered it. Um, but yeah, so, but Med has very cleverly tweeted that, you know, uh, and I think Dan Paddock, Mercedes as well also tweeted and said uh, Danny Ricardo probably undercutting another Nate Saunders book that's coming out you know this week or something. So, uh, I um, said that it was the first time that he'd moved teams without ruining a Nate Saunders book since 2018. Yeah <laughs> it was good it was a good tweet. A surprising amount of people liked that as well so either they're in on the in joke that we have or they just thought it was funny without any context which is pretty impressive. I did, think you, uh, Nate, did you ever speak to did you ever speak to Daniel about it? Did you mention yeah. the hilarity so, here? So um, Daniel signed every copy I got, you know, like I gave some to my parents, you know, my grandparents and stuff. So that was really nice of him because it was an unof- unofficial biography. You know, it wasn't something that had come from the Ricardo camp, but they were cool with me doing it. Um, but I, I made that joke to him, you know, and, and it's been something that him and his agent have kind of both jokingly said to me since was like, you know, oh, yeah, we only, we only did it because we knew that book was coming out. We had to <laughs> steal the headlines. Um, so it's become something that you know is referenced every so often. So it's um, it's good fun. But still available to buy in all good bookshop yeah. stores, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, and um, bad ones. You can find it on Amazon. It's the best way. <laughs> yeah, mainly bad ones. Mainly bad ones. A friend of mine was travelling in Australia last year, and she saw my book in two different stores out there, which was pretty cool. Because um, I've only seen it on you know bookshelves of family members, you know, like and I saw it at Waterstones once, which was pretty amazing. Um, it's a cool, cool feeling. I don't believe that story at all. You said you a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Is that yeah, because yeah. when you were last in Australia, Nate, you just went around putting your book in the front of like the main, yeah, the no, what, what, happened was, what happened was I gave her a copy and said, Can you just take this to different <laughs> and then just take pictures of it around? Um, yeah, I, I think it's more What's that what he did is he went. I forgot to do my immigration form for Australia. So landed at the airport, just holding this book. And they were like, oh, Mr. Saunders, welcome. We're so sorry that our, our fellow Aussie screwed you over so badly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember doing, a, I remember doing um, an interview when we got to Memphis, I think it was. Because on this road trip, we were kind of going, uh, we went to about five cities and I got, I, I was on Australian radio through drive time and they, and they were like, Oh, how much of the book mentions his chances at Renault? And I would, I would be like, well, zero of it <laughs> because I didn't know it was happening. And I remember there was like a brief silence and they said, Nate Saunders from me, again. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> and that was the end of the interview. Nate, you've added nothing. <laughs> exactly. It was exactly like that. So that was fun. Um, yeah. Uh, as was this I think we've just had a lovely catch up I've enjoyed this um, I, I, lo- I absolutely love the name of this by the way the Pad Hoc it makes much more sense than Big Tuna um, yeah. because we could talk about anything as well which is what we're going to do in future I believe whenever Barretto just yes, wants to talk got... to us um, okay oh, let's make it a weekly occurrence then chap shall we Go absolutely on, and it's great seeing you guys in, I, I was going to say in the flesh but you know live and in kind of person e-person um, we should do it more often. 
But it um, also means that I can have a look into your houses, which I quite like. I'm quite nosy. So. Spotting the same post that you've already got. And now you're getting the atmosphere of an absolute torrential downpour, which is in keeping with this episode with all the uh, travel woes <laughs> in the rain. So, yeah, atmosphere. And I look forward to many more years where we can build up many more travel woes because it's no doubt going to happen, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, yes. And, um, and you know, just to, just to reiterate to anyone listening, if you do want a book about Daniel Ricardo, you can get it at any good bookstore and Amazon. But it's only relevant up to 20, 2017. <laughs> and Nate will sign it for you. That helps. Nate will sign yeah. it for you. I will literally come and bring, bring it to you. If you need to buy it. Like, I, will, I will bring it to your house. So, Nate, you've plugged a book in this episode. Barreto's plugged Monster. Um, I've got, I, I'm going to work on something for the next episode. In fact, you know, yeah. companies want to give me free stuff, hit me up right now, and I will talk all about it in the next episode. It will have nothing to do with that one at all. Technically, it should be an energy drink because my book basically plugged Red Bull, being that he was at Red Bull. So maybe pick, maybe pick one of the hype. main brands. There I you can go. Promote I was hype. trying to set you up for that. Well, yeah, Hype Energy Drink. The owner, Bertrand Gasho, used to uh, employ me when I worked for F1i. Wow, those are the days. Yeah, there you well, go. Three, pl- three plugs for three energy drinks. Here we are to promote healthy living. What a way to end. Sports Social Podcast Network.